This is Pop Poetry Podcast. And I'm Robert. And I'm Tim. Each week we read a poem and talk about it. Today's guest is Jane Vick. She will be reading Voices to Voices by E.E. Cummings. Do you want a poem? Here you go. Voices to Voices, Lip to Lip. I swear to no one, everyone constitutes undying, or whatever this and that petal confutes, to exist being a peculiar form of sleep. What's beyond logic happens beneath will, nor can these moments be translated. I say that even after April, by God, there is no excuse for May. Bring forth your flowers and machinery, sculpture and prose. Flowers guess and miss. Machinery is the more accurate, yes. It delivers the goods, heaven knows. Yet we are mindful, though not as yet awake, of ourselves which shout and cling, being for a little while, and which easily break, in spite of the best overseeing. I mean that the blonde absence of any program, except last and always and first to live, makes unimportant what I and you believe. Not for philosophy does this rose give a damn. Bring on your fireworks, which are a mixed splendor of piston and pistol. Very well provided, an instant may be fixed, so that it will not rub like any other pastel. While you and I have lips and voices which are for kissing and to sing with, who cares if someone, I'd son of a bitch, invents an instrument to measure spring with? Each dream, nasicature, is not made. Why then to hell with that, the other this, since the thing, perhaps, is to eat flowers and not to be afraid. Jane, what first attracted you to this poem? It's, um, it's a really powerful poem. It's, it's very cryptic, and it's also, uh, I think, while continuing to be cryptic, it's incredibly invigorating and exciting. All right, well, let's uh, look at this first stanza, which opens voices to voices, lip to lip, I swear to no one everyone constitutes undying, or whatever this and that petal confutes, to exist being a peculiar form of sleep. E. Cummings is definitely bizarre. There's no other poet like him. So what can we, what's, what's unique about his style here? Besides everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, grammatically, he's, he's famous. He is famous for his objection to grammar in general, his lack of capitals, his lack of punctuation. Uh, he's he's kind of still staying within the lines here in this first stanza, and he, I mean, it's, and yet it's still, it's, it's so complex. You know, he's, he opens with this idea of, of voices to voices and lip to lip being, or constituting undying and existing being a peculiar form of sleep and already you kind of have this kind of ethereal sense of of what it what is existing and what is what is a transaction between two human beings um and whatever this and that pedal confutes yeah it's i mean opening stanza definitely isn't i'm intrigued you know i want to know where he's going with this i'm i'm really curious about the the parenthetical in that in the first stanza there that he feels he needs to swear to 
or he needs to include the fact that he's swearing to mm-hmm. something and the thing that he ends up swearing to is really confusing to me to no one everyone um, is that like uh, either or he's either swearing to no one or to everyone is he saying that no one is everyone um, that no one and everyone is the same thing I mean, in some ways, it's classic Cummings. He's, you know, he's you. You want a comma. You want you want some kind of punctuation, exactly. and he's not going to give it to you because he doesn't because that's not what he's doing. Um, and so it kind of it gives you room to to interpret. Um, and you could take out the parenthetical and have voices to voices, lip to lip. I swear, constitutes. And so then you kind of get a sense of of what he's trying, what he's swearing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then to no one, everyone. I think you suggested. Um, to no one and to everyone, to no one or to everyone. I think it's sort of an entreating moment where he's saying, you know, voices to voices, lip to lip, I, I swear to whoever's gonna listen to me and everyone should listen to me. Maybe no one's gonna listen to me. <laughs> this is what it constitutes. Yeah, he seems to be talking to other voices and other lips, but is that a person? Is that a self? Is that a- Sleepings? Are they just petals? How might they be petals? Um, whatever this and that petal confutes. Are we are we on the same page with flower petals there? I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about how he's using confutes because the way that I was reading it was he's got the semicolon constitutes undying or whatever this and that petal confutes to exist being a peculiar form of sleep. I, I had not ever thought of the the petals being part of his address. Okay. What is yeah, confutes? Yeah, what is confutes? <laughs> I used to, like, a, I thought it was like con, a, a confutation, right? Like, I can't even say it in words. Like, you're, you're confuting, you're almost arguing a point. Mm-hmm. Right to confute to uh, not object but to prove, challenge. Prove to be wrong. Oh yeah! Hey. Nice. Um, you right. Have an encyclopedic memory, Robert. Thank you. <laughs> I read the dictionary. For fun. <laughs> I get that vibe it. from you. Yeah. Um, to prove to be wrong. Okay. To ex- and then dot 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 to exist being a peculiar form of sleep. So then is he saying that there's something about this and that petal, these flowers, that confute undying? The the petals are making some kind of argument? Somehow, but I wonder if it's it's as conscious as that. I wonder if it isn't just that their existence confutes this voices-to-voices, lip-to-lip. Right. So instead of living, we're undying, which is a which is a subtle difference. We're just sort of sleeping through this life like a flower petal. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost okay. Almost that this flower petal, these flower petals create an awareness of existence being a peculiar form of sleep, mm-hmm. whereas we we as humans somehow have this undying sensation. Oh, I th- so I thought that the, that the petals were confuting whatever he is, whatever it is that he's saying about voices to voices, lip to lip, constituting undying. Yes, 
Yes, and I think what Robert was saying, um, because I think that's absolutely right, and they are, and, and almost unconsciously in that they're petals <laughs> and not conscious, but in that, in that their existence somehow is a peculiar form of sleep, mm. which in, in being observed um, confutes, there it is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> confutes word of the day, uh, right, the voices to voices and lip to lip okay. and the sense of undying. So in a way that Jane, you had um, mentioned like sort of two lines of argumentation in this first stanza, if we want to call it that, mm-hmm. one where there's um, something constituting undying, mm-hmm. and then another one where there's existence being a peculiar form of sleep, mm-hmm. and the way we're reading the action of the petals there is that they're kind of connecting those two things in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, look at the second stanza, Tim. Yeah. What's beyond logic happens beneath will, nor can these moments be translated. I say that even after April, by God, there is no excuse for May. What's beyond logic? (laughs) Oh, Robert. (laughs) (laughs) How unromantic. I mean, what's... Well, yeah, explain it to me. (laughs) So many things are beyond logic, right? I think the realm of human emotion, yeah, is is infinitely beyond logic and that's where where logic breaks down beneath well here it's beneath will Mm -hmm. does that mean logic and will are happening on the same level i i think so i think in some sense there's this sensation it's kind of like um you know when you're desperately in love with someone say and you you want to you have some sort of goal or desire for yourself that just isn't attainable based on this like invasive emotion not to say love is invasive but you know or rather let's say the strength of emotion that happens beneath your the will to do something different mm-hmm. you can't will who you're in love with mm-hmm. necessarily sure. so that that doesn't make my spock brain uh happy <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm in perfect control of, of all these emotions oh no 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 doubt i love reading this this stanza because like the by god thing i just i want to say that with like a lot of gusto like, mm-hmm. by god so there's no excuse for may i associate april with rebirth spring uh even the canterbury tales and dante mm-hmm. begin in april mm-hmm. that's a, that's a poetic month and why, why would you want to go to May after you could live in April? Why can't you live in an eternal April? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, April's actually my birthday month, so I love April. I have a very, yeah, I have a special relationship with it. Kind of that, you know, I, I do wish it would last forever sometimes. April is. But I, I wonder if what he's saying here is, I, 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 I sort of think back to that sensation of love, right, that happens beneath your will and it sort of comes in an overpowering sense uh, that can't be translated and then you so you I'm thinking about April and I'm thinking about young love and you've got that you're sort of in control of it still it's fresh and it's exciting to you it exists very much within you and then May is this massive full bloom you know like flower and and just this this it's not the birth it's like the manifestation of something and it's beautiful and gorgeous and it's also very outside of you at that point it's sort of out of your control at that point 
And I wonder if there's this sensation, there is, you know, by God, there is no excuse for May. It's like, how could something become so majestic and so outside of me? And I, yeah, it's, that feels like in some ways what love tur- turns into that can become so untranslatable. Just so I, just so I'm clear, we've, uh, have we decided that the thing beyond logic that happens beneath will is love? Or that's just one useful example? I think, yeah, more so a useful example than that's what it is yeah. entirely. But, guess, but a range of human emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think as you're saying, this like spring imagery does, it is kind of, it's lovey. Bring forth your flowers and your machinery, sculpture and prose. Flowers guess and miss. Machinery is the more accurate, yes. It delivers the goods, heaven knows. Robert? <laughs> well, uh, Machinery. He's, he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, machinery goes with flowers. You take the flowers and put them in the garbage disposal. <laughs> and then... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those two, it's, it's a, your logical and your illogical brain. Maybe your mm-hmm. living and undying self. That might be a stretch. But, but someone's bringing forth... I don't know if we know who. There's a dash to open that stanza. Yeah. I think that's what we're. I guess I can't with. destroy my emotions in my mental garbage disposal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a bummer for you. <laughs> you were almost superhuman for a minute there. This is interesting. I think it's interesting that he's kind of creating. He's got flowers and machinery, sculpture and prose. Yeah, it's like a ratio. Mm-hmm. It's it mm-hmm. is and it seems very much like a ratio. But so, I'm wondering. So flowers is that to sculpture? Yeah, as and m- machinery is to prose. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I'm not sure why he's creating that. Prose being non poetry is mechanical. Then it seems. And then, but but the, this this part of the poem seems very mechanical because of the the ratio we were just able to make out of these words. <laughs> Very a, true. The poem itself is in a more mechanical structure here. Yeah. There's a, there's a colon between flowers and machinery, colon, sculpture, and prose, and that's what really makes it look like it's like a mathematical equation or something. And then I'm wondering, because he seems to be really intending clarity here. It seems that he's trying to be straightforward. He's saying, you know, flowers have this this guessing and missing machinery is accurate. You know, you're going to get something from flowers that you will not ever find in machinery. I, I wonder if he's joking a little. Yes, it delivers the goods. It, it uh, seems, uh, yeah. He's sort of Flippant. mocking it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heaven knows mm-hmm. that heaven works in mechanical ways. Which yeah. heaven knows seems almost like... Um, disillusioned or something like yeah we all know you know machinery is accurate we know the results and he's and he's asking to bring whoever this is bring whoever it is that's bringing forth they're bringing forth their flowers and their machinery so he's not saying he's almost implying you there's a necessity for both here yeah even though it guesses and misses there's still a purpose to it yeah although here i mean the the flowers don't seem like they're bringing much to the table in this stanza. I mean, I, I get the sense that he's, he's like, maybe, maybe sort of ironically, but he's come down on the side of like machinery 
brings the goods. It's actually, it's producing something, and whereas flowers are unreliable. Mm-hmm. Stanza four. Yet are we mindful, though not as yet awake, of ourselves which shout and cling, being for a little while and which easily break, in spite of the best overseen. Mm-hmm. This is a great stanza. This is really beautiful. It's all in parentheticals, which is amazing. It almost feels as though we leave the poem for a second. And he's, and he's saying this to us. He's saying, yet are we, are we mindful, though as not yet awake of ourselves? And I think that's really interesting with what you were just saying, Tim, about, about flowers guessing and missing and them maybe not bringing, you know, we've got this accurate machinery, these flowers that are, I'm imagining, you know, soft and breakable. And then here he immediately says, though, yet are we not mindful, though, as not yet awake of ourselves, which shout and cling, being for a little while and which easily break. I mean, it's like we are flowers. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think that that yet is in reference to? That, so I guess, actually, I'll, I'll, what you were just saying sounded like it was explaining the, the difference between flowers and machinery. Mm-hmm. Or complicating some argument we've been making. <laughs> sure, or or even maybe clarifying a little bit because we've you know. We have, in the first stanza, we have these petals confuting, the concept of of undying, in human existence, which which sounds much like machinery to me, and then you have these petals introducing that existence is in fact a peculiar form of sleep, mm-hmm. and then in stanza four, you have is it four. Uh, or stanza three, where you have um, flowers guessing and missing and machinery being more accurate. And then we go into five, and then he's saying, but, but look again at how, how much like a flower we are. Yeah, also this parenthetical stanza has rhyme scheme, mm-hmm. and it has something of a meter. I just counted it. I think it's 11-9, 11-9. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some order to this parenthetical, whereas mm-hmm. there's almost none to the rest of the poem. It almost, it hits you harder a little bit, you know, I get this, whoa, like, yeah, the, it's, a, it's really, I think, an elegant way to re-grab the mind. Yeah, I should notice some, mention some of the other poems, have some of the other stanzas have rhyme scheme too. Through it. Looking through it, but there it's more subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, I love about Cummings that he mm-hmm. kind of dances in and out of mm-hmm. structure. Well, yeah, when you read it aloud, you really you're not. I don't tend to like go, you know, take a break after the line or something. The way that I sort of have a bad habit of doing that when I read poems. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's hard to it's hard to notice when he's doing even a, like a simple end rhyme because. You want to just read it like, yet are we mindful, though as not yet awake of ourselves, which shout and cling. So he, he's he's doing something that that makes that resists the kind of like uh, sing song uh, mm-hmm. way that sometimes people read poems. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Even though as we're seeing, this is a pretty simple A B A B line uh, end line rhyme scheme. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, and yet it's really elegant. Yeah. I mean that the blonde absence of any program except last and always and first to live makes unimportant what I and you believe. 
not for philosophy does this rose give a damn. I, I, don't, I don't know the first thing about a blind absence. I, do you guys have any idea, any sense for what that might mean? I'm looking at you here, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, the, first thing, the first thing I thought of, well, it's, it's blonde with no E at the end. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's a blonde as in blonde hair. Uh, so what's uh, the, what, is there another meaning of blonde? Let's let's see what's going on, because Robert, that's under the bees. Fair or pale yellow of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fair, light yellow, flaxen, golden. So it's. I mean, I wonder if we could we could say though. Not of hair. It makes me think of vanilla. D- mm-hmm. Kind of you know like not when someone's like oh that's pretty vanilla, and there's some kind of element to that like the blonde absence of any program maybe like some innocent absence mm-hmm. i don't know it's kind of it's kind of a stretch i think we're we need are we stretching right now stretching <laughs> yeah. yeah because I'm, I'm thinking of vanilla ice cream now which is absent sounds from my delicious program. doesn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to get some ice cream let's get out of here <laughs> <laughs> um i mean yeah that's Okay. Well, so there's something in this in this stanza that is about philosophy, mm-hmm. um, and that's partially, you know, the last line of the stanza is seems to be culminating something, and it says, "Not for philosophy does this rose give a damn." And then the other thing is that the the way is using last and always and first to live in the second line. That just sounds like the way a philosopher would like take really simple words and be like look at the meaning of first what does first mean Mm -hmm. or something um maybe program like philosophy fails to take account for flowers or the blonde or the emotions maybe and it's it's not something we think philosophers who are lovers of wisdom and maybe not lovers of flowers. Is that the kind of love that comes beneath the will? Maybe. You know, there, there's a loose rivalry between poets and philosophers. Uh-huh, totally. And it, it seems like a little dig. Uh, this, these, this flower doesn't care about your philosophy. But I wonder, though, I'm wondering what he's saying here when he's saying makes unimportant what, what you and I believe. So the, the absence of, let's just maybe not think about blonde for a second and just think the absence of any program except last and always and first to live makes unimportant what you and I believe, what I and you believe. Not for philosophies, does this rose give a damn? I, I almost am wondering if he's not taking us back to that organic living, that versus machinery sensation where he's saying... You know, we, we sit around, we have this undying element to our existence, and we, we've got this philosophical sense of ourselves and sense of the world. And that does not matter to a rose. That will never matter to a flower. Mm-hmm. And, and look at these similarities that we share with roses and flowers. Right. So that um, the second line there could be, could be about... Uh, prose writing, sort of calling back to that analogy we made before, flowers and machinery, mm-hmm. sculpture and prose. 
Mm-hmm. And where were you seeing that in, in this one? Um, well, the when you when you were just talking about writing philosophy, right? That's like a, it's like a prosaic form of, of writing of machinery and writing. Yeah. yeah. I love this rose. I don't know who this rose is, but <laughs> I have an image of such a glorious, solitary, sassy rose. If, if we're really like flowers from the first stanza even, and we're just undying, what do we even need philosophy for? Right. Yeah. Right. We're just sleeping. Yeah. To exist being a peculiar form of sleep. I love that. That invites dreams, you know, doesn't it? It just seems so, it doesn't seem void of activity or um, action or movement or, or vivid imagery. It seems a peculiar form of sleep. It makes me think of those dreams you have where you're active in them and you're coming in and out of waking. It seems like a nice way to think about living. All right, bring on your fireworks which are a mixed splendor of piston and pistol. Very well, provided an instant may be fixed so that it will not rub like any other pastel. Well, fireworks are <laughs> machines and flowers. Mm, yeah, somehow simultaneously. So they're, they're a synthesis between mm-hmm. the two because mm-hmm. they look like flowers, kind of. When they explode. Yeah. yeah. It's like a <laughs> <Yeah>. flower <laughs> Yeah, like an explosion. We'll yeah. post a picture of that too. Um, yeah, post a post a flower and a firework, and a firework. side by side. Yeah. Should, you should duct tape the flowers to, to the, the firework, firework and then launch. <laughs> them. Oh my god, that's vivid, you're Robert. To destroy yeah. these flowers. These flowers are not. I'm trying to destroy flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate goal of today's right. session. Um, wait, so the synthesis is be, um, um, is a pistol, a kind of flower. A pistol is a part of a flower. It's the um, part that it's the um, mating part it's the repro- reproductive is the word I was looking for there mm-hmm. the mating part <laughs> um, yeah uh, and then of course piston which is you know an mating, element of machinery of a, machi- I of a machine the, right <laughs> <laughs> it's the female organs it of is. a flower mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a weird stanza this is confusing to me yeah, okay, so very well provided and instant may be fixed. Um, so well, I, I guess like a, a firework doesn't seem like a fixed instant because right. it's exploding. It doesn't last forever. It's it very, very temporal. Exactly. Yeah, and then it's interesting because the way that you read that, Robert, um, is a way that I uh, had never heard it before um, very well provided an instant. You know, so I, I, I've, I had always read it very well provided an instant may be fixed, but this changes things, and this makes me think of actually <laughs> what you said about strapping a flower to a firework yeah. and blowing it up, just in that sense that he's saying, like, this splendid mixture of organic and mechanic, and then he's like, that's great, provided that you can capture an instance. Oh. But that doesn't seem, he seems to almost be saying, you can't, you can't do that. Huh. I, th- I thought he was getting towards maybe we can have machinery and flowers get along together and synthesize them into fireworks, but maybe not. Maybe he's uh, just predating the great poet Katy Perry. 
I oh. Got by a couple decades. No, you did not. <laughs> so he disagrees. He's not a Katy Perry. Oh, my God. He's not a Perry. He's not a Perry. Well, I mean, that's interesting. I, Yeah, I, I took it to be sort of sardonic. You know, provided an instant may be fixed so that it will not rub like any other pastel. I mean, we cannot fix an instant, can we? Isn't that the ultimate issue of everything ever? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's he's going to war with Katy Perry here. No, he is. Uh, <laughs> she's really thought about the symbolism of fireworks. I feel like maybe at the end of, of this show we should just like maybe do a cover or like play a little bit. <laughs> you guys are are having a, a disagreement right now. Yeah, about... we're not talking. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Well, this might be awkward, but it seems, so you guys are having a disagreement, and I'm not sure I understand the the difference. Uh-huh. Um, it sounded like Jane, you, you were saying that that the poet did not think that we could somehow synthesize flowers and machinery. It seems that he's saying. I don't know. I don't know that I want to say that he's suggesting that you can't do it. I mean, he says, bring on your fireworks, which are, a, you know, a, a mixture, a mixed splendor of piston and pistol. And they, and there they are, and they exist, but they only exist in an instant. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I wonder if he's saying you can do it, but you can't sustain it. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if he's talking about this marriage to, this marriage between organic matter and machinery that, that happens. It does happen, but then it dies, and you're left with the organic matter. You never leave the organic matter. Mm-hmm. And you can create a relationship with machinery, but there's something so inherently different about the two that only if you could capture an instant would you be able to sustain the relationship between them mm-hmm. in any in any kind of real way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just think... Uh this poem is this mixture of rose and machine, of rhyme scheme and free verse, and order disorder. So I think he's trying to make it work, and I'm probably wrong, and like any other pastel, which is a colorful tool. So I think he's you know, letting his colors burst. <laughs> he's going up, up, up. <laughs> Maybe he's a firework. <laughs> I, I bet this poem's going to explode in the next two stanzas. I think he might shoot might across the sky. <laughs> might just be blowing up both of them. I'm so upset that this has turned into Katy Perry. <laughs> yeah, look, we, 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 I bring you guys my favorite <laughs> yeah. poem. It's his poem. We've got lips and voices to sing with. Oh my god, here. it's so, so real. <laughs> Okay, all right, Tim, you want to... While you and I have lips and voices, which are for kissing and to sing with, who cares if some one-eyed son of a bitch invents an instrument to measure spring with? It's kind of got that same feel as the, by God, there is no excuse for May. Mm. The one-eyed son of a bitch. It's, yeah, kind of got that same tone. Where Where did measuring spring come from? Or that's from the marriage of like machinery and nature, I guess. But I, I just didn't know that that's what we were trying to do was measure springs. Sure. 
Yeah, this is, um, it's a parenthetical also, but it, would it help us to read that fifth line uh -huh. in the parentheses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who cares if some one-eyed son of a bitch invents an instrument to measure spring with? Question mark. Each dream NASA tour is not made. Oh, dot, dot, dot. And then NASA tour is um, Latin for begotten. So it's almost kind of biblical. Begotten, not made. Um, I wonder what that, I mean, begotten is an organic process. Made is a, is a, is a mechanical process. Huh. You know, so we, so we get that already. Well, you and I have lips and voices which are for kissing and to sing with. Who cares? That's such a yeah. that's a, such a new a, a feeling too that he hasn't expressed. It's like who even cares? It, it's like science or technology or machines do nothing for us, mm -hmm. really. When what's essential to us is our voices and our lips. Wait, they the deliver actions. the goods. They don't deliver the goods. Yeah, anymore. but heaven knows, you know. <laughs> heaven knows they deliver the goods. Yeah. Like, who cares about those goods when you've got voices and lips, you know? And since we're sleeping, we dream these begotten, born dreams from out of us, and maybe machinery takes away from that. Yeah, well, that natural process. I was I was thinking that it gives us the goods, so we have nothing to dream about. Right. Um, I was thinking that because of the the biblical um, element that Jamie just brought up, the difference between begetting and and making, making that um, the 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 machines we make at some point we've we've dreamed about them. Like you dream, you somebody had dreamt up the idea of like a uh, iPhone or something, mm -hmm. and so so there there is a there's a connection between the things we make and the fact that we at some point wanted to make them in like a spiritual way or something. Sure. So I think that that. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, the, I, I think that's very, I think that's very right that there is this organic birth of machinery yeah. always, right. you know, and that's, and in some ways that, that is a marriage of or organic and mechanic that exists, that will continue to exist even when the machine becomes so external. And, and and I think he's also saying that even in the face of that reality and in, and in acknowledging that relationship that we have to machines, something about organic matter and interaction with organic matter makes renders all of that irrelevant. It, it almost seems that he's saying like, it, it makes me feel like it's a tinkering pastime, this, this construction of mechanics. And then you have a moment where you find someone who you want to kiss or sing to or with or about and you don't care anymore you know mm -hmm. if you could discover it almost seems like invents an instrument to measure spring it's so fascinating that he's saying like, to measure spring it almost seems like we, we can create a machine that will tell you more about about things but it just doesn't it doesn't matter mm -hmm. things become meaningless yeah, I don't think he's a Luddite who is wants to destroy technology. Mm -mm. You know, you guys go and take your technology, but you you cyclopean sorts of people, uh, barbarian almost, but I'll be back here just dreaming. By my tree. Yeah, and you can try and measure spring, 
but I'll be closer to it than you'll ever get. Because I'm like a flower. Because I'm a flower. (laughs) My mom says I'm a flower. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, right, I don't think he's saying, like, machinery is horrid. I don't think he's saying, you know... He's saying, get rid of it. He's yeah. saying it just doesn't really. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares? It just doesn't get to you in the same way that one kiss could get to you. Mm-hmm. You know? And even if it did for a while, it'll stop. Like something will override. Why then, to hell with that. The other, this, since the thing perhaps is to eat flowers and not to be afraid. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the line on my arm. I got it. I got it the last day of 2011. Um, my best friend and I. This is one of we are both um, huge, huge lovers of E. E. Cummings, and this last line has always been. I mean, it's just so powerful. It's so. It's so living. It's so. I can taste flowers, you know, and I'm not afraid of anything. It's just. Yeah, so we ran from tattoo parlor to tattoo parlor trying to find <laughs> someone <laughs> available to do it. Who yeah. could spell? Who could spell? <laughs> yeah. He actually did a pretty terrible job. No, it looks nice. We'll I put mean, a it's, picture of that, too. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... But let's look at the whole thing. I mean... So the thing, perhaps, is to eat flowers and not to be afraid. Um, does it take all of the power out of it if if I put too much emphasis on that, perhaps, like, that he's not sure, maybe. Well, I mean, I even think, and, like, please don't be worried about my, you know, <laughs> no emotional attachment to, to my interpretation when I was, I can't remember how old I was, but. Very Spock-like of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It means nothing to me now, really. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's a weird stanza. If you look at it, the other this, since the thing perhaps is to eat flowers and not to be afraid. I mean, what's going on with the eating flowers? Because we've got this comparison, right, The whole that we've been working off of kind of uh, the whole poem through of us being like flowers. You know, we are, we are squishy. We're organic. We have this, you know, this like sensory experience that doesn't exist in machines. And then we finally have said, you know, these dreams are begotten. They're not made. They're, you know, machinery is overridden by this physical sensation. So then to hell with it, since the thing perhaps is to eat flowers and not to be afraid. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure now what, you know, what he's trying to say. Eat ourselves? Yeah, eat each other, like some sort of like continuing in this very visceral person-to-person experience. Yeah, because yeah, eating is something else you do with your mouth. He's done a lot of mouth stuff. He's a mouthy kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, so he's been going back to singing and kissing a lot, and now at the in, at the very end, we're talking about eating, mm-hmm. and I wonder what that could. Um, what what you were just saying, Jane, was making me very worried about. What's going on? Well, I'll try and take a stab at it. Mm. But uh, if flower, it's it's obviously a metaphor. You don't 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 go out and eat your flowers in your garden. Sure. But uh, 
There are flowers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just want to say that there are flowers that you can put in salads, very aesthetically pleasing and tasty. Mm -hmm. Okay, we should we should we can put a picture of that up too. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, But it's a metaphor for beauty, um, beauty or poetic muses or inspiration to create art, and you want it to consume it, to Mm -hmm. to live in beauty. And not to be afraid, right? And I mean, that was absolutely my initial reading of it was this just, I mean, so affirming, you know? And I and I loved the perhaps. I think it's interesting that you mentioned it, Tim, because I, I don't think it detracts at all from the power of it. I think it gives it this, you know, perhaps what it is, is to do it, to be unafraid, to live in that beauty and consume it if you can and create it and, you know, and yeah, and don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea of not being afraid. Yeah, the perhaps especially just gives it this sort of like um, gentleness, you know? And it, it's so powerful and so unassuming also. He's not like, so the thing is that you need to do is go eat some flowers and just stop whining. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, perhaps this thing that we can do, this immensely powerful thing. Well, let me try and take a stab at a different interpretation. Totally. Which is, what if, is there a biblical reading where if you're in the Garden of Eden, away from all machineries, mm-hmm. and you eat of the, the fruit. forbidden fruit yeah, and yeah, not yeah. be afraid of what's to come? I just wrote to a paper on this. not be afraid of knowledge? Wow. I know it's a flower, not a, an apple, but uh, is, is there anything to that? I like it. I like it, yeah. yeah. I think it's very, I mean, I definitely think it's interesting, especially what, because we just have got, we just have the line that he's hidden, each we're, dream begotten, not made. Weren't Adam and Eve, they, they like ate the apple and then they got really afraid after. Terrified. And they had to get they clothes. They hid, on, yeah, and they got and, clothing. But what if they weren't afraid of the knowledge? Oh, yeah. Robert, I dig this. Cool. Right? (laughs) I mean, that feels so powerful, too, doesn't it? Just imagine that in the garden. If after Adam and Eve had eaten from this tree of knowledge, they stood up and they were like, we know now. Get down here, God. Let's freaking talk about this. Yeah, thank you, guys. Can we ask you to read through the poem one more time? Sure. Mm -hmm. Voices to voices, lip to lip, I swear to no one, everyone, constitutes undying, or whatever this and that petal confutes, to exist being a peculiar form of sleep. What's beyond logic happens beneath will, nor can these moments be translated. I say that even after April, by God, there is no excuse for May. Bring forth your flowers and machinery, sculpture and prose, flowers, guess and miss. Machinery is more accurate, yes. It delivers the goods, heaven knows. Yet are we mindful, though not as yet awake, of ourselves which shout and cling, being for a little while, and which easily break in spite of the best overseeing? I mean that the blonde absence of any program, except last and always and first to live, makes unimportant what I and you believe, 
Not for philosophy does this rose give a damn. Bring on your fireworks, which are a mixed splendor of piston and pistol, very well provided an instant may be fixed, so that it will not rub like any other pastel. While you and I have lips and voices, which are for kissing and to sing with, who cares if some one-eyed son of a bitch invents an instrument to measure spring with? Each dream, nesseture, is not made. Why then to hell with that? The other, this. Since the thing, perhaps, is to eat flowers and not to be afraid. Rapid fire questions with Robert Moschel. Yeah! All right, just some quick rapid-fire questions for you, Jane. Okay. Uh, what is one thing essential to living the good life? What? <laughs> okay, uh, physical activity, physical I think, activity. and water. Water. Yeah, can I count those as one thing? Yeah, sure. Great, yeah, um, that's absolutely right. So exercise, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's got a really bummer connotation, I think, sometimes, especially in the U.S., um, but yes, movement, uh, dancing, climbing, uh, running, running around, um, headstands, cartwheels, tons and tons of water. I think that that absolutely is going to get you pretty damn close to the good life. And what's your favorite or preference for physical activity? That's tough. I bounce around. Um, I love I love running. I love running and I love dancing. And I just recently started climbing again. And I'm really excited about that. I feel like it's cheating to say it's my favorite because I just started again, but I'm into it. All right. Uh, which book has had the largest impact on your life? Oh, um, man, these are tough. These are your rapid <laughs> fires. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's it's kind of a toss-up. I think I would have to say Anna Karenina, um, specifically for the last line, and I always feel really guilty because I don't want to give away the last line of the book to those who haven't read it, but in without giving it away, in Essentials, uh, there's a, a revelation that Levin, who is one of the main characters, has where he realizes that he is the author of his life and his experience, and it's a very empowering, very uh, clear revelation that he has where he's suddenly like wait a minute I can put as much meaning in my life as I desire and choose um, and I read that when I was 14 and I really saw deep validity in that so yeah Tolstoy is our most uh, mentioned author to that question is that right he, he has come up a bunch of times that's so funny yes he must be super powerful he I is gotta, you got to get on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but mostly people say War and Peace. Interesting. And I had not read. Anna Karenina. Oh, well, I'm glad to bring so. her into play. All right. Uh, my last question for you. Okay. What is best? What is best? What is best is what is good. What is best is what is honest and open and what faces challenges. I think life is a really interesting thing and it can be really hard um, and it is really hard a lot of the time and I think especially during these years in our lives you know the 20s and college and this time in in history things can be really hard and it can be hard to find um, to find best 
And so I think best best is authentic. I think it's it's facing hard things and getting stronger and striving for goals and not deciding that you don't care or that it's not worth it. All right, Jane, thank you for your wisdom. Cool, thank you. <laughs>